Yeah, and it, it's really funny. Up until like probably a week, a week and a half ago, um, I still absolutely defended him to every to every end. And I was actually talking to a mutual friend, and they were like, "You know, he's a good person, and you know this." And and I stopped them, and I said, "You know." I would have said that and I would have fought to the ends of the earth to prove that. But literally everything he said about this divorce, he's taken back. Welcome to the Heavy Pages podcast, a guiding light for women facing the paralyzing challenges of an unwanted separation. If you're feeling frozen by the weight of heartbreak or the uncertainty of a crumbling relationship, you're not alone. I'm Josie, your host, and a separation survival specialist, because I've been where you are, overwhelmed, emotionally stuck, and unsure of what lies ahead. But here's the truth. Healing and empowerment are within your reach. Together, we'll shatter the chains of paralysis, embrace this journey, and pave the way to your new future. So it's time to step forward, find your strength, and rewrite your story. Because the pages of life can be heavy, but you don't have to turn them alone. Now, before we start today's episode, please consider taking a moment to click that subscribe button. And with that, here we go. Hello, and a warm welcome to today's chapter checkup session, where we will be hearing from another courageous woman as she shares her transformative journey from devastated to divorce. And we'll be using the five chapters of my program as the guide. If you're curious about these chapters and how they align with your personal journey, don't forget to visit heavypagespodcast.com for your free chapter checklist. And with that, here's today's interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. And today we have Christine with us today. Hello, Christine. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm so great. Thank you. And I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to share your story with us today. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. So let's start with how old are you? Okay, so I'm 30. I just turned 30 a couple months ago in April. Okay. Oh, April. I'm an April baby, too. (laughs) <laughs> Very cool. So we're going to talk about, obviously, how you lived through your separation and divorce. So how long have you been separated or divorced? So we separated on March 5th of this year. And it was actually an interesting choice of dates because five years ago we got engaged on March 5th. So it was an interesting uh, choice of timing. And whose choice was that? Uh, it was not mine. It was actually his. He, uh, out of the middle of nowhere, just started with the, I don't think I can do this anymore. Right. I completely felt caught up, like felt uh-huh. caught Blindsided. Off it was <laughs> an interesting feeling. Yes. Right. So, um, you know, men are terrible at dates. Do you think he remembered and knew that it was, uh, you know, a special date? Um, actually, yeah. So our story was pretty interesting. This was both of our second marriages. Um, so on our first date, we both basically laid out everything that we wanted and did not want. Um, and we're very blunt in the force of, can you give this? Can you not give this? If you can't give this, we're just going to move on. But if you can, we'll see where it goes. So five months after we were together, we actually got engaged. And then a, a week later, we pretty much set our wedding date. Uh, unfortunately, his mom was extremely sick at the time. So it kind of pushed our timeline way up. 
from what we were planning on because we wanted her to be a part of it. Oh, wow. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, he was definitely well aware of dates. He actually remembered dates better than me. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so tell me how your relationship started, like where you met, how long you dated. I know you already said you kind of sped things up a little, but how was the process? Yeah, so um, we actually were both in law enforcement at the time. And uh, I was working a call with another unit and he picked up an overtime shift and he actually showed up to one of my calls and it was really funny. The dad got arrested and the mom was like having a meltdown because they were supposed to get married in like two days. And so we were standing in the driveway, just kind of talking, waiting for everything to wrap up while a couple of units finished their stuff. And we just kind of started talking from there. And I had been, I think this was like my 14th hour on shift. Like I was on overtime and I was so hungry at this point. I just wanted to go home and he mentioned food. And I was like, wait, you're going to get food. Like, okay, we need to swap numbers because I need to eat. (laughs) So we kind of swapped numbers and just started talking from there we dated about five months before we got engaged which just completely like like I said sped up our timeline because of his mom being sick and then we got married a couple months later and our relationship was in my eyes great yeah we had our issues like any other couple it was just kind of one of those like we both had agreed that we wanted the same things okay which Throughout the relationship proved to be untrue, as you can probably imagine, or I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. Right. (laughs) But it just, we started having differences and it was just kind of interesting because like they would pop up and they were never really like big differences. It was just like a differences of, for example, he uh, could taste the difference between spring water and purified water. Okay. So it was we had to buy purified water because he found spring water absolutely disgusting. And I'm just sitting here going, it's water. Like what? So it was just like little differences uh, and things like that. You know, I I just kind of have to say, I'm sorry, this is terrible, but I I have a thing with water that (laughs) I, I, I like my, my um, Zephyr Hills water and I can not, drink tap water or, 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 and that might be a different, right? Because so you like spring, spring water. Yeah. Purified. So, um, I had my dad visiting one time and he was like, Oh, you're so ridiculous. And he switched it out without telling me. So when I went to drink it, I'm like, this is not the water. And he was like, oh, like shocked that I could, act, that I noticed, even though he was trying to like prove a point that you just drank that and you didn't even notice. I, I think that's funny. So yes, yeah, a small little thing, but Yeah, it's actually really funny. Five years later, I cannot drink spring water anymore. I have to drink purified. And it is like the funniest thing to me because I was like, I, it was so stupid and it is so stupid, but I do taste the difference. So I do get frustrated when I go places and uh, they're like, here, do you want spring water? I'm like, no, thank you. (laughs) I'll take a Coke instead. It's fine. But yeah, it was just little things started noticing that they were different. And then, of course, they kind of built into to bigger things. But the biggest thing that I would say that it was our downfall was miscommunication or communication in general. So you were together for how, for how long? Like five years. Five years. Married. After, yep. you, after you got married. Okay. Yep. So the kind of the stuff that you're mentioning, uh, we're going to just dive into chapter one, which is the before the divorce or the separation, which is yeah. blissfully unaware or subconsciously aware. It sounds like you might have 
maybe not been blissfully unaware? How do how do you feel you were and the getting closer to the end? So uh, we actually because we just felt like we were arguing so much over funny things. It was really funny. So we actually worked together when we both left. I left law enforcement first, and then he left about a year and a half after me. And I I was the CEO of a company, and he was our director of operations. And one of my assistants was so funny. She was like, y'all know you're saying the same thing. You're just saying it differently and you're arguing with each other. So that was the first point where we were like, wait, what? And we kind of just stood back and it was, it was very interesting. And it was very funny to me that that's kind of what happened. But we ended up actually going to counseling, right? We ended up going to counseling because... We just wanted to get on the same page. Like we both were frustrated because we felt like one was saying something and the other one was saying the other thing. And that just kind of got a little bit frustrating. So it wasn't that I was unaware. We were in counseling. We were working on things. Right. But I think where I was blissfully unaware was we had been in it for nine months and I thought we were in the best place we had ever been. Like the work, like the therapy was working. Yeah. Like I honestly felt like we were communicating so much better and that we were both happy and both on the same page about the future. So yeah, like I guess in that part, I was blissfully unaware. Like I had no idea that he was ready to throw in the towel. Right. So tell me then about the moment, the day that he decided to blindside and devastate. Um, so we actually went to a baby shower for one of my very good friends and it was definitely, uh, interesting. It was kind of okay. And then we left and I just kind of mentioned to him cause we had a, I had a female friend that he was close to and I was cool with it. It was fine. But I just kept feeling like that particular day cause she was there. Like every time I turned around, they were both coming from the same place. Mm. like it was like almost a constant thing right um and so like I like I questioned him I was like is there something going on and he's like no not at all and I had like kind of talked to her about it I was like hey like and she's like no it was just a coincidence we just happened to be coming from the same place and I said okay whatever well that night is when he did it Uh, And when he was like, um, I don't think I can do this anymore. I think we need to call this quits because I was telling him like how uncomfortable I was with it. Like I was just, this is just, it's starting to get to the point where you know, her allergies, you know, what food she can eat, what food she can't eat. Yeah. That's suspicious. Yeah. It was just kind of getting weird. So like I was extremely uncomfortable with it and I was trying to voice that and yeah, basically that was the night I got told. And did he leave? Um, so no, that night we just kind of, uh, we both sat there and cried a lot and just tried to talk to each other and I guess really be compassionate, which was almost false hope. Right. Because it was almost like, okay, so you feel this way, but we can talk through this. We can, you know, go in front of the therapist and do this and do that. And then it was probably 
a couple weeks before we actually like, no, I'd say it was probably about five or six days before we went into different bedrooms in the same house. Okay. How, how did it, it, you guys were just kind of like tiptoeing around the idea, still kind of living together, but not sure your relationship was kind of in limbo. Do you have children? I should have asked that. Um, not together, no. Okay. Okay. So, so thankfully that wasn't an issue at all. Right. Okay. So you just kind of lived in limbo or was he like, well, I'm living here, but I'm technically kind of single and like going out and doing things or. Um, so at first it was, we were really trying to be like, he was like, I just, I need things to be different. Like, this is what I would need. Okay. And so it was like, okay, like, let me do that. Let me show you that I can do that. I basically became a piece of putty because I was trying to hold my marriage together. Right. And was like, treat me like Play-Doh. What do you, bend me how you need me to be bent. What do you need me to do here? And I did. I mean, I stayed in that stage for a good three weeks. It was so on St. Patrick's Day, because it's right about St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day uh, is not only the, the day that his mother passed away, but mm -hmm. um, a couple years prior to that, I had been in a serious car accident that almost cost me my life on St. Patrick's Day. So St. Oh, Patrick's goodness. Day had always been like just not a good day for us. So we actually went out with the girl that I was kind of uncomfortable with because uh, originally it was supposed to just be me and her going out. And then I asked um, my ex if he wanted to go. I was just trying to like we would normally spend time together on St. Patrick's Day. So why not? And uh, she actually ended up texting me and asked me if she could bring her husband. Okay. And I was like, yeah, sure, cool. It was interesting. Like, I had known her husband prior to that because he was also in law enforcement. So, like, we had all kind of seen each other, but we didn't really know each other. Like, hadn't sat down, had conversations. So, went out that night, ended up drinking way too much, and on the way home... Because my, my ex and I rode together, I kind of just broke down in the car and just started crying and just told him, like, my biggest fear is I could sit here and do whatever you wanted. You could right. tell me to hop on one foot and poke my nose and, you know, spin around in a circle until I threw up and it wouldn't be enough. And, uh, so, you know, at that point, it was a conversation of, well, I still want us to get divorced, but I don't want anybody to know. He was telling me he didn't want his family to know. He didn't want any of his friends to know. He wanted us to go to family functions together and just basically stay best friends. Oh, goodness. Yeah, that's difficult. <laughs> and... <laughs> It was like, I just remember sitting there and looking at him and go, well, they're going to find out eventually because you're going to date somebody and you're going to want to bring them. Right. And he's like, no, I don't know that I want to date. I don't know if I want to do this again. You know, I've done it twice. Clearly there's a problem. And I'm just sitting here in my head and I'm like, there's no way, like what? So in my head, I'm still at this point, like, okay, well, if you want all of these things, it sounds like you don't really know what you want. So there's a chance for us to fix it. Right. And I just, I stayed with that. I travel a lot for work between Southern Maryland, DC area and Florida. And 
I literally like was just trying to figure this out. And I have a, I have three really good friends and I actually joke hysterically. I call them the council because anytime I have an issue, I take it to the three of them and like to get their points of view and stuff. So it's like, I went to the council on this and the council was, you're breaking yourself for somebody that doesn't know if they want to be with you. Right. And he's breadcrumbing you. And I had no idea what breadcrumbing was. Like I immediately just went to like panko breadcrumbs and cooking. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I was like, I had no idea. And um, they're like, he's leading you on basically. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. And I was like, no, no, we want to fix it. We're trying. We're thinking about it. Yeah. And of course they were absolutely right. Of course. And you know, they, they do that, that hope when you're, when you're the person that is being left and they keep, even their, dis, their indecision, any little thing they do, we will grab onto it like a sign that there's hope. We, we don't notice all the other stuff or we don't want to acknowledge all the other stuff. We just kind of see, oh, look, he's saying this, like he's saying that, oh, if he still wants to take me to family functions, then there's still hope for us. So let me ask you about uh, chapter three, which is better, stronger, loved you. Do you feel that in this part of your relationship or in your relationship in general, how did you feel about your self-esteem? Did you feel like you had the self-worth? Do you feel like fighting for him was not really connected to how, how you felt about, you know, yourself or your value? Yeah. So, um, it's a blessing and a curse that I have, uh, extremely high self-worth okay good so I'm not conceited but I'm definitely like I know I'm attractive I know I'm smart I know like all of these things about myself so it didn't really come from other people telling me that right but there was definitely times like he was the one person I thought I would never lose I had been so disappointed by men majority of my life, including, you know, my dad and things like that, which, you know, thank God for therapy. I worked through all my daddy issues. Amen. But it was just like when he said that for the first time, and I, I mean, probably since I was a young teenager, I just completely felt worthless because everything that was coming out of his mouth was basically just alluding to how awful of a wife I was. Okay. And I just was taken back because in my mind, I was doing just about everything I could to make him feel loved, to just sit there. And I remember one day, um, and this was probably about a year into our relationship. We were on opposite shifts at this point. I was working days and he was working overnights. So I took one of our wine glasses and stuck it on his uh, duty stand. We each had one and like on his. And I think we had been together for like 13 months. So I wrote 13 reasons why I loved him and put it, put it in the wine glass for like months before this happened, because I felt we were in such a great space. Like I had gone online and like, you know, those like little books that you can order. That's like the relationship of us or whatever. Right. Um, I had been working on one and traveling was something I love to do. So, uh, together, I think we went to about 10 or 12 countries in the time that we had been together. And like, so there was a page from like each country that we had been in and like the major important parts of us. But the truth of that was 
we had very different love languages. It did. It made me feel absolutely worthless. And like, I remember sitting down and breaking down to my three friends and just being raw and open and vulnerable. And that is not me. (laughs) I am CEO of several companies. I've owned multiple businesses. I've built successful businesses. Like I have five college degrees, you know, I have these outstanding accolades. So I'm like never super vulnerable with people. And like, I just broke down to like, I guess I felt like a melted popsicle with them and just like bared everything. Right. And, uh, the consensus was, yeah, him and I both had faults in our marriage, not being what we wanted. Right. That's normal. But it wasn't all on me. Absolutely not. And that was the biggest thing is he was making me feel that it was me. So the entire time, like my self-esteem just stayed low because I didn't know how to come back from that. This was the first person in my life that I let see the dirty, ugly, you know, not great parts, like every part of me on every level. And to be told you're not good enough. Right. That I felt destroyed during that time. And it took time. It took one of my business partners and my best friend and basically like her sitting there and yelling at me for like (laughs) 10 minutes telling me, you know, I was more than this and I was more than that. And that all of these things and a lot of like my friends and stuff, when they found out, like they immediately went to, oh, he's a piece of shit. He's this, he's that. And I defended him the entire time and it actually took the woman's husband confirming that they that my ex and her had been having an affair well so at the end of the day that that really he's blaming you because he knows he's doing something really shady and he can't even man up and and acknowledge or even try to take the heat off of you and just, um, it's not you, it's me, blah, blah, blah. He not only does this, but then he's going to break you down even more by not taking a bit of responsibility about ending the relation. Yeah. Like I had asked him several times, like, is there somebody? Because that's the first thing that everybody kept asking me, like, is there somebody else? Well, the reason being when he got separated from his first wife, I kind of got lied to at the beginning about how that all went down. When we first met, he told me he was happily married. I was like, cool, awesome, good for you. And then very quickly, he's like, it's actually really been over for a while. We just haven't wanted to tell anybody. And so he basically did the same thing to her and I didn't know. So you were the, you were. I was the other woman. The other woman. (laughs) So he has a a system or he has a a playbook that he works. Essentially, yeah. We got engaged the same day his first divorce was finalized. Wow. But, you know, like being optimistic at that moment, you're just like, oh, he loves me so much and this, that, and the other. And like looking back, I'm like. That's a pretty significant red flag. (laughs) I'm like, I should have probably paid a little more attention to that. Yeah. So like for two and a half months, he's just basically like telling me there's nobody else. There's nobody this, there's that and the other. So the husband confirms it for me. Okay. And then. And how did he know? So he basically, I guess, confronted her. Okay. About some stuff because. The four of us, again, went out St. Patrick's Day. Right. And I guess, like, even he was like, wait a minute, something's off. Okay. 
So he confronted her and it kind of came out. So she was more honest than your ex-husband was. Oh yeah. She, <laughs> she's uh, more honest. Yeah. So fun fact, uh, he actually, my belongings are like most of my belongings are even not out of the house. I left, um, to try to give it space and he's mm-hmm. already moved her and her kids into the house. Wow. Okay. So who's, who did, were you guys renting? Did you own? No. So the, um, when we got together, I owned my own house and he was okay. living with his mom because she was sick. Right. Um, so when his mom passed away, that was his childhood home. Okay. So he wanted us to move in there. So I sold my house. Oh, okay. And, uh, we, so we lived there. So that was his mother's house. So I will not okay. take the house from him. No, that is course. something like right. I would, I would feel like an awful person. Of course. So, yeah, I was actually, you're asking me, like, how do I feel about myself and my self-esteem? Um, mm. Since you and I talked about me coming on the show and kind of talking about it, um, and just in general, like, I was talking with my counsel, and I was like, do I tell everything? Do I tell all the dirty little secrets? Like, right. do I, or do I still, like, save face for him? Like, and just... This is for you. This is your truth, your story, your what you experienced. Nobody's, we're not trying, I mean, we're, it's honesty, right? You're, you're not here to bash him either. You're here to tell what right. honestly happened. And if he was honestly an asshole, then he was honestly an <laughs> asshole. Yeah. And it, it's really funny up until like probably a week, a week and a half ago. Um, I still absolutely defended him to every, to every end. And I was actually talking to a mutual friend and they were like, you know, he's a good person and you know this. And, and I stopped them and I said, you know, I would have said that and I would have fought to the ends of the earth to prove that. But literally everything he said about this divorce, he's taken back. At first it was, well, I'm not going to kick you out of the house. You know, I I don't want you to leave. This is your home. You're safe. You're comfortable here to I'll give you like what amount of money would make you feel comfortable to start over. And we had kind of said 10,000. Um, because you know, I was going to have to go first month's last deposit, of like course. rent is expensive. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, like we agreed to that and he's like, okay, like I'll give you, um, one of my 401ks. We'll just cash it out. And that never happened. Like, so just everything along the way that like we agreed to, and that was making it civil, right. he has gone back on, okay. um, and so like, that's when I stopped them. And I was like, you know, I would have said that he was an amazing person that would do anything for anybody. Right. But I, I don't know who this person is. Right. I don't know who this man is because this man is 180 from the man I married and from the man that I said I was going to spend my life with. And that I think was the point in the realization where I was like, everybody is right. He's not an amazing person. And I was, you envision. Yeah. And I was talking to my lawyer about everything. And my lawyer is actually a good friend of mine as well. And he, uh, I was like, you know, I don't want to do anything to hurt him. He's a good person. This, that my lawyer goes, I respectfully have to disagree with you there or we wouldn't be here. Right. That's an, uh, that is an unfortunate place that many women, mostly I'm going to speak for women because I really can't speak for men, but I know that it has happened in men <laughs> in that relation, in situations too. But you, 
they do this to us and we still feel uh, the need to protect them. And to, and you know what? It's okay to be nice. It's okay to be civil. It's okay to be fair. But it's not okay to do these things at the expense of yourself because you want to feel bad or because you want to be the better person. Because honestly, being the better person doesn't pay the bills. It doesn't get you where you need to get. And they don't give a shit because if they did, they you guys wouldn't be getting a divorce in the first place. They're They're happy to screw you over. And they're not even going to notice that you're being the better person in those situations. So it's unfortunately that we feel that way. Some people might say, we're just nice. We're just good people. But I I don't see it. I think it's still a little bit of control and people pleasing that might put us in that situation. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Like that's the biggest thing is it's, I, uh, I like, it's hard because part of me still wants to sit here right now and say he's an amazing man it just didn't work and the truth is that it's not true you know he i don't think he's a terrible person i think he makes terrible choices sometimes but i still wouldn't sit here and tell you like he was the worst person on the face sure because i don't believe that it doesn't sound like he is a very good husband or a very committed (laughs) husband because he has already done what he did to his first wife bringing you in now to you. He couldn't, you know, I respect a man that says this isn't working out. It's not going to work. It sucks. It's painful. It's a hard thing to do. And they walk away. But the fact that it seems like that he won't do that until there's like somebody else there, you know, it's like, uh, I I don't have the strength to do that. (laughs) If really, honestly, he was unhappy, but he doesn't have the strength to say anything until he's got another side piece already ready. There's no strength there. Yeah. And so it made it, like he just, he made it worse because like I said, I travel a lot for work. So I was actually up in ocean city, Maryland for a conference and we were out on a boat and, uh, I got an email saying that this woman was added to our Google home account. Oh Jesus. (laughs) So like I took a screenshot and uh, then I got an email saying that I had been removed from the Google Home. Oh, my goodness. So I sent it to him. I was like, listen, I don't care what you're doing. Like, you're going to do whatever you're going to do. But can you wait to do this until our divorce is final was what I said. And he's like, it was an accident. I was just trying to delete you. And I remember just sitting there being like, do you know how many steps you have to go through to actually add somebody? Right. Like it's not an accidental right. thing. You have to think about it uh, every step of the way. So yeah, you have to type their email address and I don't know her email address off the top of my head. Like what? So it was just kind of things like that, that just confirmed that like the suspicions were right. So it sounds like you made it to, the chapter four, which is it's over now. What you're like, you know what, regardless of the feelings that I've had for him, this marriage is not going to work. I don't even want it to work anymore. It's sad and it sucks, but yeah, (laughs) I agree. This is done for. And so you, you feel that's where you feel like you are right now because you guys haven't officially obviously divorced, but what does that mean for you now? Like, what are you willing to, to ask for? It was a five-year relationship. You know, you don't have kids. What does that mean for you? How do you get out of it? How do you get out of it fairly, in your opinion? So 
the sad part is he's really not being fair. So there, there is no fair for this. And that's kind of the stage that I've been stuck in. Do I do what's fair for me knowing it's going to hurt him? Or do I be the bigger person and just start over? Okay. So um, can you repeat the first question again? Yeah. Um, So it was, do I, do I do what's fair knowing it's going to hurt? Like fair for me knowing it's going to hurt him. So why would there be a second question? (laughs) Because with that, while I don't, like, I guess part of me still loves him because I believe if you love somebody, you never stop loving them. While I don't love who he is now, I do love the man that I spent five years with. So still the idea of hurting that man. that man is gone. Is not. I know. And like, that's the hard part. And that's where the becoming stuck is. Because if I do what's fair, he's going to see it as me attacking. And you know what? And I know that. I get that. I'm sorry. I just want to say because it it lights me. It lights me up. The issue here is it doesn't matter anymore what he thinks. This is. This You're man right. is no longer in uh, anyone that you need to consider in your life. You're not trying to cheat him. You're just fighting for what is fair for you. From here forward, you you are the only person that you can count on. So what he thinks about you, exactly. a man who is willing to cheat on you, leave you, and uh, no, show zero value to your relationship, it doesn't matter what he thinks. What he thinks should be zero consideration. This is about you and what's going to help you continue to move forward to the next part of your life. <laughs> I know. And so I, uh, I'm i not a super religious person, but I also believe in karma. Okay. So it's kind of, do I change my name to karma uh-huh. or do I just let karma come? Um, and that's actually the conversation I was having with uh, my counsel right. the other day was, do I be take the bigger person and just let it go? Or... Do I change my name to karma and do what's right for me? And the hardest thing, and one of the things that they, one of my friends pointed out was, how are you going to feel about yourself if you do this? And then one of the other ones pointed out, while you may have every reason to do it, remember what you do in one area of your life transfers over to other areas. Okay. I have a couple thoughts on this. (laughs) Most of the people that I have, most of the women that I have spoken to and some men that have chosen to be the bigger person right now, regret it later. Because it turns out that it wasn't me being the bigger person. It just turns out to me not still holding space for them and their feelings. When you actually analyze it years later, (laughs) it wasn't about being the bigger person. And then you think about why did I put them above me? You can, you can name it something that makes you feel a little better, but the reality is, the reality is that you don't have to be karma. Karma can still be coming. This is you asking for what you deserve and fighting for yourself is not karma. That's you protecting and taking care of yourself. Karma can, it will still come. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be that you take that role. You're not, you're doing your job. You're doing what is expected for you for yourself. Whatever happens to him in the future will happen to him because this is the life that he is living and he is bringing (laughs) it on himself. That you doing this is just 
what is rightly expected from that point. That's the that's what I would love for you to internalize, analyze, <laughs> journal on because it's not being the bigger person. So yeah, like that's that was literally my holdup because every other aspect of my life, like my business is doing better than it's ever done. I've offered been offered equity in companies that I only ever dreamed mm-hmm. of. I have my book launching. All of these things that are so positive. Right. You know, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm casually dating and uh, doing that for the first time in my life. I've never done that good, before. So good. that's an interesting experience. But it's fun. Mm-hmm. Like, this is an area like, uh, so all of this happened right before in me turning 30. And like, that was a, a huge almost felt like a setback for a long time. Like I didn't want to be turning 30, getting divorced for a second time. So, and like, I cried about that and I cried to everybody about that. And they're like, you know what? You're right. But look at where you are. You know, my, one of my best friends and my business partner threw me a birthday party when we were in Indiana for work. My little sister threw me a birthday party when I came back to Southern Maryland, like a month after. And, you know, my mom and my nephew on my actual birthday, they sat there and made me a cake and sang me happy birthday and fixed me one of my favorite meals. Like, so I kind of sat back and I was like, this is the best birthday. Like I'm surrounded by people that love me you know, this is, and before that, uh, at the beginning of 2023, I had said that this was my yes year, that I was going to say yes to all the opportunities that came. Great. And, uh, I felt like the divorce originally destroyed that and took that away. And I reminded myself, you know, when I had to put my big girl panties back on and I had to, you know, get up and move that it is still my yes year and that I am still saying yes to things. But I'm also going to say no to things that no longer serve me positively. Well, I think that's an excellent mind frame. And I think that your yes needs to be, yes, I need to fight for myself. That yes needs to be right there. That yes needs to be right there. And I'll tell you, I, it wasn't my second marriage, but it was my only marriage. And I, we ended right when I was like turning 31 or something like that. And I was like, my life is over, but there is, yeah. I have, I've had a whole new life after that, that you don't even think about, but there is so much more to do. There is so, this is going to be, oh, you remember that life that I had way back then? Because there's so much more coming that it's, it feels like a lot and scary. And sometimes people make 30 sound like a big number, like, oh my God, now I'm old. But there, <laughs> you know, my thirties uh, were the best years of my life. Actually, I had more fun in my thirties than I did in my, than I did in my twenties. So there's a lot of fun. So yeah, I always joke. I always kind of laugh. But I'm like, everybody says your 20s are kind of your screw up years. I said, so these are the years I'm getting it right. I'm excited. Yeah. But yeah, like it's so since I like switched my mindset right. to that, even on the days that I have to deal with him, which thankfully are far and few in between now, I still just have to remind myself because dealing with him if I let it will ruin my entire day. But some of the things like now dealing with him becomes so comical. What exactly is there? I mean, what did you guys have together that is that 
that prolongs this situation? Like what, what, what are the, I mean, if you're willing to go into that, what, what are the things you guys are not um, agreeing on or that he's fighting you on? Yeah. So we own several companies together. So having to divvy up the companies and who gets what company um, is a big one, which, I mean, it was pretty easy for us to decide on that, but then it's still um, like financials were still entangled. So it's like still trying to completely untangle okay. those. And then it's just other things like belongings. And honestly, I'm kind of to the point now <laughs> where I'm like, just fucking sell it. Like I put it out in the yard and burn it. Like at this point, I don't care. So it's just like, having to deal with some things like that. And then um, the papers that he filed with the court are completely inaccurate. He has broken them in every way possible. And uh, like, so I told him, I warned him before he did it because he told me he was going to file the papers. And I was like, these need to be amended. Like they're not accurate. And um, you know, it was just like still trying to deal with some stuff like that because I'm just sitting here. I'm like, some of this isn't right. And I want it to be right. Like, I want everything to be accurate. I want the final judgment to be accurate. So it's just some of the minute, stupid details. um, Okay. Because I want it over as fast as possible. Of course. Um, You know, like I have things that I want to do that. You're being held back. I can't do like, right. Like um, my book was one of them. I started writing my book after my separation and like I sat there and debated. I was like, should I wait to release this until the divorce is right. final? And I decided not to, but it was just like things like that where that you just sit there and like yes. from You're a in business. a limbo. You're in a little bit yeah. of a limbo. Yeah, and that's never a fun place to be. I suck at that game, so <laughs> So you're you're heading towards divorced and beyond. You're not there yet, but what yeah. does beyond what do you hope beyond is for you um so while I seem to suck at relationships I'm really good at business and my business relationships are strong and solid um so there's goals to expand my business I have another book that I'm working on that's going to be coming out soon a couple courses that are going to be coming out soon so my beyond, uh, one of my favorite things to do is travel. And I am so blessed that be, by being an owner of a company and working in an industry that is primarily remote, I get to work from anywhere That's in the great. world. So yeah, I already have uh, Switzerland and London on the books for next year, like working towards everything there. We were talking about uh, the guy I was, I'm seeing, we were talking about going on a cruise towards the end of this year, mm-hmm. like just... The beyond is everything that I enjoy doing that I put on hold. Okay. Because now it's for me. And while me and my ex, we did travel a significant amount. As I mentioned earlier, we've been to a ton of countries together. There was so many times that I was like, you know what? I just want to go work in California for the next week because I want to explore it when I'm done working for the day. You you know, uh, my sister and one of my friends, we're going to Salem in October because it's somewhere we've always wanted to go. So we just picked uh, a Thursday through Sunday and we're going to go explore Salem. And we talked about driving out to Boston. If we have some time, you know, I went to the beach this past weekend and went hiking. Um, Just a lot of great experiences that are things I probably wouldn't have done before. 
And it's just making sure in this next part that I am 100% true to myself. That's uh, that's super important. And I will tell you that even though I'm in a relationship uh, uh, again and I'm in a little family, I have the daughter I always wanted. All of that is great. But the years in between, I t- between my the divorce <laughs> and starting my new relationship were the best years of my life. The freedom I had to do whatever that I wanted to do. I had my son, so I was a mom when I needed to. When my ex had my son, I did whatever I wanted. When we wanted to go on vacations, I took my son. We went everywhere I wanted to go. It was a really amazing time of great self, you know, growth, a great growth time for me. And just when you realize that freedom of being able to do whatever you want and not having to ask anybody, you wanting to go to California, I'm going. You don't have uh-huh. to ask anybody. You don't have to make meals for anybody. You don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. It is such an amazing, wonderful feeling that it, it, it's kind of hard to let go of after after you've been able to experience it. Yeah, so like I thought back to my first divorce, which um, that was a marriage I never should have been in to begin with. Um, but just looking back at it, I'm like, oh my God, this is so much harder than my first divorce. Like when me and uh, my ex-husband decided to separate, we literally just, we sat, we talked about it. I went to my lawyer's office. We drew up the paperwork. We both signed it, filed it with the court and we're just done. Like it was so simple. Like it took seven months only because the courts were backed up. Right. And it's like this one is so much harder. And I literally like, uh, I was telling my friends and even the guy I was seeing, I was like, I don't know if I will ever want to get married again. I'm like, I've done this shit twice. Like I know they say the third time's the charm, but I don't know. (laughs) so like we and he said the same thing he was like kind of laughing about it and we were joking about it um because it's just so much with what you've gone through and it's just so much more devastating yeah and like so when you sit here and you're you like think about opening up like that to somebody else like I instantly shiver. It's really funny. I think I uh, was watching a TV show the other day and I completely like subconsciously uh, there was a marriage scene and I was just like, I went and just turned the channel. Like, and I like had to sit back after and like 30 seconds later, I realized I had done it and I was just like, okay, so that's how I feel about it right now. You know, I still do that. I've been with my partner for 13 years. We're not married. We have a daughter together. We have a family, but we don't have the paper. And yeah. honestly, I feel that way. And I am, I, I've said this before, but I, I am religious. I was married in the Catholic church and uh, I got divorced and I got annulled. So I technically went through the process so I can get married again if I wanted to. But I have this thing about going up and saying till death again, when I already know um, that other person's still living you know, uh, still walking the earth. So making that promise again, almost feels like, I don't want to say gross, but it it just feels like, what does it mean? Because I know that I've already said it in a way. So I, I have, uh, I haven't really felt the need to want to, to get remarried. It doesn't mean you can't have a, a healthy, great relationship with somebody. Just why do you need to take that extra step? Yeah. And like, it was just kind of interesting because I was sitting there and somebody asked me, they're like, well, do you think you'll ever get remarried? 
And I just kind of sat there and my first thought was no. And then I was like, okay, well, why is it really no? And then I sat there and I thought about like owning these businesses and the fact that there would need to be a prenup and the fact there would need, and I'm just like, that just seems so complicated for something that, like you said, I've already said it's going to be until death do us part. I meant it and they clearly did not. So for me, it was so much of um, like, I don't know that I'll ever want that again. Um, Like, will I be in a committed relationship? Probably. I'll probably get into one at some point. I hope not in the near future. (laughs) Um, But you know, that was something that like was so important to me um, before was having a family Mm -hmm. and, you know, having that ripped away from me almost set me back as far as believing that it could be positive. So will it happen eventually? Yeah, because I know You're myself 30, and eventually it'll be something that I want. Exactly. <laughs> but I just know that right now that is not a priority. My priority is still continuing to heal myself. Right. And like one of my best friends told me, they're like, it's a wave. Some days you're really, really good, and some days you're back in the trenches, and that has been yeah. the truest it's thing. It's a roller coaster. It is a up and down for quite a while, but every day the up is a little bit better and the down is a little bit less until you you know even out, so that's good. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask, just kind of a, on a side note, about this woman that was supposedly a friend of yours. Or an acquaintance. Like, I yeah. just need to know a little bit about that. And obviously, I'm going to assume, <laughs> this is obviously me assuming, do you even talk to her? I mean, what was that about? Um, No, I don't talk to her anymore. Um, <clears throat> yeah, her and I had been friends. We, uh, my husband, or my ex-husband is now, and I met her through a mutual friend. And her husband and I and my ex had worked together. So we all kind of like knew of each other, but didn't super know each other. So we started, you know, we were at one of their get togethers, started talking, whatever. um, And kind of all just started talking and hanging out outside of it. Her and I hit it off and we're good friends, but yeah, it, uh, (laughs) she clearly was not a very good friend. Has she ever apologized or, or said anything about it? No, no. We haven't talked since probably about a week after the separation. Right. Yeah. Well, that's very unfortunate, but I, yeah, I was just curious (laughs) about that. So now uh, I just want to ask, because I usually ask this to all of the the people that I talk to that share their story, what do you feel is the best advice that you could give another woman that is currently going through or is about to go through what you've been through? What would your advice to them be? Uh, You have to take care of yourself. My sister, because when this happened and I said I I came a puddle of goo, I was almost paralyzed in fear to move. And my little sister, who is one of my biggest supporters, she looked at me and she goes, bitch, you got to (laughs) move. She goes, just pick up your shit and move. You can freeze in fear when you get there. And that stuck uh, because it was true. I was so afraid to make a move because I was afraid that any move I would make was wrong, that I I didn't know what move to make. Um, And the truth is you just have to make a move. You have to step forward. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to take, you know, get pushed back, but just keep moving forward. Be obsessed with the goals that you have for yourself for moving forward. Find something that you absolutely love and don't let it go. 
That's great. That is excellent advice. I absolutely agree. Christine, I appreciate you taking the time to come and share with us. And I wanted to ask a moment, since you've got these businesses and mentioned the book, tell us a little bit about what it is that you do, if you can share. Yeah. So um, I am an insurance broker, but I also uh, own a consulting company for businesses. I've been the CEO or COO of several companies in different different genres and in different styles. but my the one thing that I'm always good at and that I bring to everything I do is the ability to set goals and set goals appropriately. Um, setting goals is what got me through my divorce. And so I wrote a book on four different facets of setting goals um, and how to set them properly. It's a step-by-step guide, but it goes over, you know, your relationships, your business, your finances, and your friends. So it kind of breaks down each one And since this is more relationship style, some of the questions, I came up with a relationship goal setting quiz. And it's something that if I had done this, my relationship probably wouldn't have gotten to where I was because I would have um, had a better understanding. So there's about 28 questions that are in the relationships uh, goal setting quiz that I urge um, women to ask themselves, whether you're going through this process or coming out of this process Mm -hmm. that is going to help you create a much better relationship, not only with yourself and knowledge about yourself, but with whoever you choose to be with. Okay. Excellent. And is the book on sale now? Is it, uh, is it out yet? It's actually, it's getting released tomorrow on July 14th, 2023. Um, and it'll be on Amazon. So I'm super excited about that. And it's called Goal Setting Agent. Well, perfect. The good news is that anybody listening to this podcast now means that it is already out. So um, it can be found on Amazon. So the link will be in the show notes for anybody who wants to go search for it. And so, Christine, again, thank you so much for sharing. It sounds like you are on your way to amazingness. I mean, you've already done so many amazing things. And I know that you're not going to let this speed bump of uh, your ex dealing with this divorce stop you. And I also know that you are going to go for what is rightfully yours. <laughs> exactly. I, can, I cannot put into words how much I appreciate being here. Thank you so much for this opportunity and to share my story with everybody. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That's going to be it for this episode. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can always find me on Instagram at heavy underscore pages underscore podcast. And if you found this episode interesting, please consider clicking on that five star rating and following so you are notified when the next episode drops. As always, thank you for listening. And remember, sometimes the pages of life can be heavy, but you don't have to turn them alone.